And from our Lord and from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. As a church, we're working our way through the book of Esther, this book that's uh, buried kind of in the deep of uh, historical books in the Old Testament. We're halfway through it. Today we're in chapter 5 in this story. And so far, if you haven't been with us, we've met Esther. And Esther is a young uh, Jewish woman, a beautiful young woman who has been uh, selected to be the new queen of the Persian Empire. This is taking place about 400, 500, 480 years uh, to be exact before the birth of Jesus Christ. It's 480 B.C. And Esther is now the queen of the Persian Empire, which stretches from Ethiopia to India. And last week we heard that the king of Persia, he had appointed a, a guy by the name of Haman to a very high position in the kingdom, and in the empire. And this guy, Haman, has it out for the Jewish people. So much so that he's got it already officially decreed by the king that about 11 months from now, soldiers all throughout the empire will go door to door, city to city, knocking on the doors of Jewish people and completely annihilating all the Jews living in the entire empire. Last week when we left off, Esther, Esther was planning on going to the king. Uninvited, by the way, which it's against the law to go to the king if you haven't been invited and you can be put to death for doing such a thing. So she is willing to put her life on the line and to let the king know that she is a Jew and then she's going to beg and plead for the lives of her people. Last week, we left off in chapter 4 with Esther boldly speaking these words, if I perish, I perish. If I perish going and trying to save my people, then I perish. And we asked the question for ourselves, what are we willing to put on the line for the gospel of Jesus Christ? <laughs> what are we willing to sacrifice in order for the good news of Jesus to be proclaimed? Where we left off in this story, Esther was going to hold a fast and pray for three days with her servant girls, and she asked her first cousin Mordecai, who's also her adoptive father, he lived in the same city, she asked him to gather all the Jews in the city and fast and pray for her for three days in preparation for her to go and visit the king. So what's going to happen? What's going to happen when she enters the king's palace? Will he hold out this golden scepter to her? Or will he call in the guards and have her executed? She doesn't know at this point. But chapter 5 tells us exactly what happened. So here's, here's what happened. Let me re recount this story for you. She's ready. After a three-day fast and prayer, the fast is over, and she takes that first step into the king's palace, into the inner courts of the king, where the king is seated on his throne out in front of her with royal guards present in the, in the inner chambers. What will happen next? If I were making a, a movie out of this, this would be the most dramatic scene of the whole story. I mean, this is where it all comes in, into play, you know, so there's going to be tense music and slow motion walking as she 
steps in to the throne room and she makes eye contact with the king. And the king makes eye contact with her. And he stretches out the golden scepter. And then she approaches the throne and in good royal etiquette she reaches out to touch the scepter which allows her to speak and to be in the king's presence. And the king says to her, Queen Esther, what is it that you request? Tell me, and I'll give it to you, even up to half of my kingdom. He's obviously not going to actually give her half of the kingdom. It's just, a, just an idiom, just a saying. But the point is here. She's not being executed. She's being heard. And on top of that, he's already affirmatively answering her request before he even knows what she's going to ask. Esther took a step forward. You could say she took a step of faith, unsure of how it would turn out. But then it actually turned out okay. You know, last week when we asked that question, what are you willing to put on the line? What are you willing to sacrifice for the gospel of Jesus Christ? I have to tell you, in my own experience, uh, in my own experience, I, believe it or not, am, 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 am often fearful as well, like you, to proclaim the good news of Jesus in this world. It happens, right? We, we went through some of those reasons last week. We, we get worried we're going to cause offense. We get worried of, of reprisal against us. We get worried that we're going to push people away. I, I have those legitimate fears sometimes too, but let me tell you, the times that those fears have come upon me and then I've actually kind of pushed them aside and stepped forward in faith to proclaim the good news of Jesus to people, the vast majority of the time, guess what? It turns out okay. It does. Now, of course, there are times where people don't want to hear the good news of Jesus. That's, that's fine. That's their right if they want and, and, I'm, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that when I tell people about Jesus, automatically they're converted and thousands of people come to Christ in a moment. I'm not saying that either. All I'm saying is when we work past those human fears and we talk about Jesus from a humble perspective, but also about what, the story we know about Jesus, for me at least, it's led to some great conversations with people and opportunities to have the door opened to have further conversations as well. What am I trying to tell you in this? I'm telling you that oftentimes in our Christian walk, we have been called by God to take a step forward in faith for the sake of the gospel and for the sake of those who would hear our presentation of the gospel. Sometimes we've been called to take a step forward. Last week, I heard from a member here at our church whom God is working in in some really cool ways and in a very unique place. He told me that he visits a local bar in our community and there at the local bar he has gotten to know some of the regulars. And, and he's gone to this place intentionally to meet people and to be a Christian presence in the community. He's not going there to, to preach and try to convert everybody, but Believe it or not, he's actually become known at this local tavern as the guy who will pray with you. The guy who will pray with you. And so I've been told that a number of the people who also frequent this place are 
not really Christian church-going people, but they oftentimes are open and receptive to having someone pray with them and to offer light and hope into their often darkened situation. Well, the man who will pray with you has also uh, gained the attention of the bar owner as well. And she's reached out to him to share some of her difficult life situations and even asked him right there in the bar to pray with her. And those conversations now have led to the place where she has invited him to come on Sunday afternoons and host something like a Christian Bible study discussion, prayer group in the, in the room at the bar there for the regulars who want to attend. And he and I are praying about this to see how God will move in this situation, in this community, to bring the light and hope and peace and joy of Jesus Christ to these people's lives. Sometimes we've been called to take a step forward in faith, into an uncertain future for the sake of the gospel. Sometimes we've been called to take a step, and sometimes we've been called to wait, to wait on the Lord. We read in our gospel lesson today from Luke chapter 2, which just as a total side note, did you realize that we read Luke chapter 2 starting at verse 22, and today's date is 2-2-2020? I mean, isn't that cool? No, just me? All right, moving on then. All right, so here in Luke chapter 2, Mary and Joseph bring Jesus to the temple to present him at the temple. He's a little boy right now, and they're doing this not because he is the Messiah. They're doing this according to Jewish law, which you're supposed to bring your firstborn child to be presented at the temple. At the temple, there is this old man by the name of Simeon, And Simeon, at some point in his life, God had talked to him and told him that he would not taste death until he had seen the Lord's Christ, which means he had a revelation from God that God told him he wouldn't die until he met the Savior of the world that had been promised all throughout the Old Testament and the prophets. Well, on this day, Simeon sees Mary and Joseph bringing Jesus and his eyes are open. And he takes this baby boy up in his arms and blesses him and prays to his father and says, Lord, now you can let your servant depart in peace for for my eyes are seeing the salvation which you have promised, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. I am content now to even die in peace. I pray that we would all be so content in the presence of Jesus. In the presence of Jesus, to be so content that salvation and light and glory and hope and peace and joy are here for us now and forever, that in the presence of Jesus we would say, Lord, whatever comes my way, I am content in your loving care. See, where Jesus is, there should be no fear, no no worry. We should be content to receive whatever comes our way, even if that is death, because Jesus is our life. Simeon, he was a man who waited 
He waited patiently, but also eagerly. He waited in the Lord. He waited. I said, sometimes we've been called to take a step forward like Esther, and sometimes we've been called to wait like Simeon. But all of the time, we should be ready. Why? Because all of the time, God is active, and He is moving in our lives. The man who made himself available, the man who will pray for you, that man, he made himself available intentionally to people in order that they would know that he has taken a step forward into their lives to bring the light and joy of Jesus Christ. But then that man, after taking a step forward, also waited. And he waited for God to move in the lives of people by the power of his Spirit. And when doors opened, we step. So sometimes we're called to step, sometimes we're called to wait. But maybe you're wondering, how do I know? How do I know in my life whether it's time for me to take a step forward and speak or whether I should wait and be silent? How do I know this? I would just say, in order to know, you need to be well attuned to what God is doing in this world. And how do we become well attuned to what God is doing in this world and in our lives? How do we become attuned to that? I'll tell you how we don't. We don't by simply watching the news, scrolling social media, gossiping with our coworkers. That's not really going to alert us to what God is doing in this world. The way we become attuned to God's work in this world is by being people who read his word, who dig into his word, to study his word, to see how he, this is why we're studying the book of Esther, this book of history, we're studying it so that we see the sovereignty of God and that God is in control and that God is powerful and he always has been, even when we don't see it, even through people that we don't expect God to be working through, he is. He is all of the time. As Christian people, we should be praying something to this effect. Lord, have your will be done in my life. Not my will be done, but thy will be done. I surrender all into your sovereign care. And guess what? When we put ourselves in the sovereign care of our sovereign God, He will care for us. He will because you're so precious to your Father. You are a treasure to your Heavenly Father. So much so that He sent His Son into this world to rescue you, to redeem you, to forgive you, to give you life now and forever. Why would you not surrender all into His loving care? Sometimes we've been called to take a step and sometimes we've been called to wait. But all the time, we need to be ready because all the time, God is active. Let me hop back into the story of Esther just for a minute. All right? We read a little bit of of chapter 5 today. And let me me just retell this last little bit of the story. So, So she went to the king. He held out the scepter. He said, what do you want? And she said, I want you today to bring Haman, just the two of you, to a feast that I've got prepared for you. Well, how can they say no? 
And, and frankly, Esther knows that the king really, really likes wine, and Haman really likes to have his ego padded. So she's playing into their hands and softening them up a little bit. But she invites them to this party, just the two of them, and they get good and merry, we will just say. And after the feast, the king says again to Esther, Esther, what do you want? Tell me, I'll give it to you, even half of my kingdom. And she says, here's what I want. I want you to come to the feast that I will prepare for you tomorrow, you and Haman. And so we're going to have to wait till next week to see what her real request is. So keep reading, all right? But here's the end of chapter 5, because we get this real drastic uh, scene change at the end of chapter 5. So let me just do this for you too. Haman leaves the party, all merry with wine, and he steps outside and he sees Mordecai. Remember, Mordecai is this Jewish guy who won't bow down to him as, as big, powerful authority. So he sees Mordecai, and once again, Mordecai won't bow down to him. And Haman becomes infuriated, but the scriptures even say, but he restrained himself because he went home and he got his wife and all of his friends to come over and to brag to them about how important he is. Because he told them, I got to go to a feast, just me and the king, and the queen, I'm so important. But none of that matters while I still see Mordecai alive. And so his wonderful wife has a wonderful, an idea for him. And she says, you know what, Haman? Why wait until the day of genocide 11 months from now? Why don't you have a 75-foot-tall gallows made tonight and in the morning impale him on the large stake, get it over with, and then you can go to the feast nice and happy and not worried about Mordecai? Oh, what a bright idea, Haman says. And he has the gallows constructed. And that's where chapter 5 ends. <laughs> so go home. Next week, we are going to read chapters 6 through 8. Chapters 6 through 8. If you haven't read any of Esther, just go home and plow through the whole thing. It's only 10 chapters, but we will specifically be in chapters 6 through 8. But just to recap, let me just say this one more time. I pray as Christian people, you get your lives attuned to God's will in your life by being people who read the word, who are constantly in prayer, who desire to gather together, to study God's word and to hear it for your lives. And then I know for a fact that by the power of God's Holy Spirit that he will open doors in your life just like the man who has been known as the man who will pray for you. God is doing things like that in every one of your lives in large ways and in small. I know he is because that's how he works. So I pray that God will give you the wisdom to know when to step into that door and when to wait, when to speak and when to be quiet. And when you ask God for guidance, he will give it to you. So be ready to step, be ready to wait, be ready to have God at work in your life, because guess what? He already is. In his name, amen, amen.